from Star Studios in Denison, Texas, this is Coffee with a Sign Painter, a weekly podcast hosted by sign painter Sean Starr that consists of interviews with other sign painters and some of the customers and characters Sean comes across while running his studio. Welcome back to Coffee with a Sign Painter. Um, today's episode, I will be speaking with Cal Trotter of Raven Sign Company up in British Columbia, Canada. Um, Cal and I have uh, crossed paths for several years now um, through some of the uh, sign making forums. Um, he's also uh, fr- friends with my buddies up that way, uh, John Lennig and Chris DeBell, and I've uh, been wanting to have him on the show for a while, and um, the other day he was teasing me uh, through Facebook about uh, the fact that we are uh, going to relocate our studio back to Denton, Texas, which is only about an hour away, and uh, so we started razzing each other back and forth, and I'm like, hey, why, why aren't you on my show, so... Uh, today I get him on the show and we get to talk to him about uh, his path in becoming a sign painter and uh, uh, some of his history on how he got where he's at um, and uh, some of the things related to um, the uh, letterhead meets in that area of the world that uh, he's participated in in the uh, central United States, central Canada type area and uh, so yeah, it's a good conversation and interesting guy and get to talk about music and all the other typical stuff that we do and some of the things that keep you motivated as an artist. And um, so uh, here we go. We will go, going to go ahead and talk to Cal Trotter of Raven Sign Company in British Columbia. So you're up uh, British Columbia, is that right? That's correct. Okay. I, I'm... I got turned on to your work, I believe, uh, Chris Dobell is the first one that... Uh, but then I was looking, um, I think we've crossed paths in the past on some of the other forums, haven't we? Yes. Okay, I thought so. I thought so. So, how's it going? <laughs> well, it's pretty good. I was a little surprised by your uh, request to do the interview. Why? Well, I just wasn't expecting it, so uh, it's always nice to be surprised. That's right, man. If you if you go through life just doing what you expect, things are boring. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, one of the things I wanted to um, talk to you about is you've you've uh, uh, what's the word? You've teased me a few times about our our constant vagabond gypsy moving ways. And uh, so I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about that. <laughs> well, my gypsy blood uh, likes that type of thing, but the security of having a place where all your stuff is in one spot that you can easily access it and then kind of travel from that as a home base is kind of where I'm at. Yeah, and I think that's where we're... Um, my wife and I have talked a lot about it. Uh, I think that's the crossroads we finally reached to. Um, we've been really fortunate that um, we've been able to maintain relationships with all of our clients, even from the move from California to Texas, uh, moving uh, from Denton up to Denison. Um, so we've been fortunate with that, and I think a lot of that has to do with the internet. You know, you, no, no one seems, you know, as inaccessible by location as they used to um but yeah we're kind of at that same crossroads uh you know we've got years of family and friends in denton which is only an hour from here um but uh yeah we're kind of kind of looking at the same thing of just kind of putting down some roots and if we want to if we get the if we get the urge we'll we'll travel as opposed to you know relocating (laughs) probably a little more reasonable approach (laughs) 
Well, I listened to your interview with uh, Roderick Therese, and he's, he's a big one on owning property. Yes, he is. He is. He's actually, um, uh, and it's much appreciated because it, it's kind of like this fatherly advice thing, you know. But he's he called me a while back and was kind of reading me the riot act and, you know, you, you guys need to look at this and you need to look at that. And, you know, that's very cool. I mean, it was really good intentions. Um but that, that's, to me, the other extreme, you know, like uh, he was talking to me about the smart move it would be to, like, you know, buy an old building and all of that kind of thing. But then I'm like, oh, man, you know, go from living in an Airstream and having that kind of freedom to, you know, being owned by a building. That just sounds kind of terrible to me, but maybe it won't in five, ten years. I don't know. Well, it's a constant uh the constant bill every month that every time you put a key in the door it's cost you money yeah yeah and that's one thing that we really um love about simplifying our life down to you know what we have is um you know if you want to take a day and just like get your head straight and go on a motorcycle ride and think things through and think creatively about a project coming up or whatever you can do that and things don't completely fall apart in your life you know exactly <laughs> so there's definite pluses to keeping things simple and and low low key but then the trade there's trade-offs and everything in life so then it's like okay what, what do i do when i start getting into my 50s and you know all of that and i don't really want to you know be struggling or whatever so I don't know. Life, life, you know, it's like I, I messaged you back, you know, you were like, why the heck do you keep moving? And I'm like, it, it, adventure, man. <laughs> you know, it's like, I do love the excitement. And part of it is the way I was raised. My parents moved constantly. And when I was a kid, it drove me crazy. And I was kind of angry about it. But then I'm like, oh, here I go. I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> but yeah, but I think we're, we're, we're ready to, uh, ready to put down some roots. And it's only an hour, only an hour away where we want to put down roots, so it's good. Well, I saw the picture of uh, a building looks like with a door on it that you said Denton coming soon. Yeah, um, that's actually in Dallas, um, and that uh, the details of that will be revealed later in the year. But um, uh, we, we, I was offered an artist in residency uh, in Dallas. Um, at, a, at a studio there that all I'll basically have to do is show up when I want to do work down there and I, I think most of that's going to be geared towards uh, like motorcycle type stuff that the kind of stuff I've been doing recently so yeah it's just kind of a second space you know but you got to hype things <laughs> <laughs> well I keep trying to learn from you young guys how to do that yeah yeah well some of us have more P.T. Barnum in us than others, I think. <laughs> not, definitely not more talent, just we speak louder about it. <laughs> uh, so how long how long you been doing sign painting? Well, I was, uh, when you asked me to do this, I kind of sat down and recounted where I was and how I came about doing it. And I guess uh, full-time, it's been uh, 20 years. Yeah. What, what did you do before this? I was a civil servant for a provincial uh, government in, in Canada here. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds important. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a government worker, uh, okay. they called civil servants here, um, and I was working for the provincial government. And so Canada is made up of 10 provinces and three or four territories now. Okay. And uh, so I was working for one of the 10 provinces, which was Saskatchewan, which is about 900 to 1,000 miles east of here. Okay. So what made you, did you start when, when you, I'm assuming you retired from that or did you just walk away from it or what, what did you, what draw you, drew you into doing it in, and getting into sign painting? Why are you laughing? <laughs> <'Cause> I, mean, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to age you prematurely. That's not what I was doing. <laughs> That's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so uh, what happened was, um, I guess I can start at the beginning. Is I always kind of knew yeah, when I was... No, I'm, I'm very interested to know. Okay. Uh, when I was a kid, I, uh, I knew that I wanted to be an artist, but uh, it didn't work out that way. My parents had other thoughts. Uh, the old school thing of uh, 
you can't make a living being an artist yeah was the word and so they were always geared towards uh, higher education and the academics and the art world was left out um so i went that route as it turned out um i went got a white shirt job and everything but then my passions were motorcycling and through motorcycling i came to custom art airbrushing pinstriping and gotcha and actually drove to uh rode my bike down to california and and uh, stopped in at the oldest harley dealer which is doug burke in san francisco Uh and uh and met interviewed got to know just met the lady that was doing custom airbrushing in their shop oh uh, okay and from there when, when was that what 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 uh year roughly was that that was in 76 oh very cool that was a cool era <laughs> so it was uh, from that that led me into the other ends of artwork and i progressed both in fine art and in sign painting um, and airbrushing and pinstriping uh, from that lead in okay that that's almost identical to my own you know but uh so when you at this time you were still working for the government in canada yes okay so you're just pursuing this as an interest that's correct okay yeah and i guess when i started to get really serious about it uh was when my first son was being born and uh so I would practice at night uh, after hours and uh, after he was born I remember holding him on my lap while I was uh, painting at an easel uh-huh. uh, doing sign work so that's one of my fond memories of, of learning that's awesome did did uh, any of your kids end up going this direction or from being exposed to it like that uh, not yet no okay <laughs> You never know how it's going to turn out, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, are you there? I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yeah, your video stopped, but I can hear you fine, which that's all we're really after is the audio. So, you kind of have a weird look on your face in the still shot of the video that's got (laughs) stuck. but (laughs) (laughs) And you as well. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, there you go. so what what was the transition of government worker to sign painter like what 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 got you to jump jump ship and do it um well i guess uh, the easy answer is i went through a interesting divorce <laughs> gotcha <laughs> and a uh, fellow that i'd known uh, in, in searching out my interest had a full-time shop with his family and a couple other sign painters and uh he was at a car show in in my hometown which was regina saskatchewan and he said "Uh, i've just lost my last sign painter he said why don't you just come work for me for a while awesome and uh, so that's what i did i spent spent about 14 months working for him Uh, the shop was primarily vinyl Uh uh-huh he was the only hand painter and then uh what the shop would do is they would lay out a sign and pounce the patterns and then i would paint it okay and that was my exposure to full-time sign work gotcha uh, and what i realized from that is i never wanted to do vinyl <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's um i mean i suppose compared to like digging ditches in the hot sun it's not a bad gig but if you're uh, artistically driven, it, it can suck the soul out of you. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. It was, uh, I, I didn't mind the designing on a computer from what I could see, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, to sit and put vinyl on vehicles and four by eights, et cetera, was just, uh, didn't have any appeal at all. I said that was a young man's game. And I came in later in life, so that wasn't something I was prepared to spend my time doing. Yeah, yeah. So now you're a thousand miles west, essentially, back over uh, towards, I believe, Vancouver. Is that right? I'm four hours inland from Vancouver. Oh. I'm, yeah, I'm in the Okanagan Valley. Okay. And uh, I guess that's actually comes up from the Sonoran 
so we're uh, high mountains desert. Oh, okay. Is that the same, um, like, uh, mountain area uh, that's just north of eastern Washington? Yeah, the, the I'm a little bit further west than Spokane. Okay. But uh, this border right south of us is uh, is Orville, Washington. You are you are just north of where my uh, my wife Kaylee's grandparents have lived since the forties. Her, her, her great-grandmother and great-grandfather um, bought a piece of property uh, right there just north of Orville, right on the border, and built a, a cabin years, you know, back in the 40s. And her family's lived on that land um, since then. Her grandparents now live there. It's a small world, isn't it? Yeah, that's really strange. That's that's a beautiful area, though. Holy cow! We went uh, uh, two years ago and went and visited everybody up there. And um, I had been to areas like Walla Walla and Spokane when I lived in Seattle. I would go out there sometimes for work, but I'd never gone up north of Spokane, and I was just I was just shocked. It was so beautiful. Well, that was what prompted me to move here. I moved here uh, in 2002. Okay. And uh, and I've loved it ever since. It's an uh, interesting economy because it's primarily for uh, retired people and tourists. <laughs> okay. How, how does that work out um, for you getting work and, and keeping yourself busy? Uh, not quite as well as I would like. I guess I keep pushing the goal limit, um, so my goals keep expanding. Uh -huh. So I'm kind of where I want to be. I'm always striving for that next plateau. Sure. So are you um, are you doing motorcycles and, and cars and pinstriping and that stuff as well? Or are you just focusing on sign painting? Or are you doing both? Uh, yes, all of that. Yeah, uh, anything, anything you can get your hands on? That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, know the feeling. So cool. So what what's uh what's in your future? What are you, what are you looking at doing? I'm assuming you you've reached the point where you're going to stay settled down. Uh well, I don't know actually. I'm in transition uh once again. I rented a townhouse here. Uh um, I went through some interesting struggles last year okay. and uh, had to reestablish a home base. So I rent here, which started in May. Uh -huh. so between May and next May of 2016, um, I'll have to make some decisions. So then it'll depend on how the business is doing um, and whether I can uh, put down roots and buy a building again or... Or we'll see as the grand adventure continues. Yeah, I, I get that. I, that's one of the things that uh, kind of forced our decision to the surface. Um, you know, when we when we came up here to this town, uh, I signed a year lease on our studio space, which is I, I'll never have a studio like this again. I mean, it's just absolutely gorgeous, and there, there's just not that many places like this left on the planet. Um, so in that sense, it's really hard to, uh, you know, give this up. Um, but the the lease ends at the end of October, and so that started all the discussions of, you know, what do we want to do? Do we want to stay here for another year? Um, you know, wh one of the things I think um, has been challenging is uh, we're in close proximity to Dallas, but um, in, in a in a way i mean we're probably i think 70 miles from dallas here and that's where a big chunk of our work is and then the other big chunk has been down in fort worth but we're probably you know double that in miles from here because of the, where it's located so yeah it was just like well we love denton we've got family there we've got friends there we've got history there let's just go back to denton Nice. Yeah. So we feel good about it. You know, it's um, 
It, lo- it probably looks a little frantic on the uh, on the surface um, if if you're not uh, you know familiar with the distances and everything else. But we basically traded one location for another and still kept everything intact. Um, but as far as lifestyle goes, it's just a place we'd prefer to be back at. You know. Right on. Yeah. So you um, do. You, I'm trying to think. I, you and Christabel um, and some of the other guys up there, you guys have gotten together a couple times for a meet. Is that correct or am I wrong? No, you're correct. It's been a mini meet and it's actually been with uh, John Lenning as well. Okay. As well. Yep. Known John for years. Love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what, what did you guys do when you got together and did a, a mini letterhead meet? Uh, we just uh, did panels, uh, swap panels, did panel exchange, uh, shared our experiences and knowledge of the trade and progressing. Gotcha. So um, that that just reminded me, I, I have a question about your your business. It's called Raven Sign Company, which is a really cool name and really cool uh, visuals that come to mind putting that together but wh- where'd that name come from and what's that all about uh, when i was my my name in saskatchewan was uh, business name was alley cat signs okay. and uh, when i was in the process of moving i did a name check in british columbia and uh, the name was available somebody else was using it but it had never been registered okay and by the time i got to registering it they became a limited company and i was locked out of that name ah so on my drive here i said what am i going to call my business and uh, i always like the name of having company in your business name okay so it was i'm going to the pacific northwest what's you know i'm not going to be quite on the coast so what's going to appeal to me Uh, so then as i was driving by a place in alberta uh I had ran across ravens because where I was, there was no ravens when I was growing up. Okay. When I ran across this place in Alberta, they had huge ravens, uh, stood quite tall uh, and stood on the ground. They were big fellows. Hmm. And I said, that sounds like an interesting name. So when I got here, I did some research and raven was a mythological creature by the Pacific peoples. Okay. and uh, was known as the creator, the trickster. And of course, what do I do? I'm creating things. And my nickname in college was the trickster. Ah, layers. <laughs> so hence the Raven name really caught on. And then some of my background, my gypsy roots, I, uh, Raven is a big uh, mythological creature there as well. Okay. So in the, um, like in the, the the different tribes that are up in the northwest, that image of a bird that you see in a lot of their like totem images and stuff is that a raven? Uh, they have both uh, both uh, big birds in their culture are the raven and the eagle. Okay. Well, that's really cool. I, I my wife and I one of our geek interests is uh, we've gotten into birding over the last several years. And uh, we actually really enjoy that. You are a diverse man. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it's mental illness, but, you know, diverse sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> so um, are, are, are you still a motorcycle guy? Like, do you ride? Um, is it just something that you had interest in? What, what's the deal with that? Um, well, I'm still interested. Um, due to circumstances, I haven't had a bike for a number of years. Uh, one of my goals this year was to make it to the Sturgis Rally. Ah. Um, one of my buddies, uh, actually Tim Peterson with Flat Earth, used to be Flat Earth Sign Company, now Flat Earth Art Company, Okay, is uh, lives in Spearfish, and I had an invitation to just go down and spend time with him. If I could ride down, well, I didn't have the wherewithal to have a motorcycle this year. I see. Um, the impetus being that uh, this is the 75th anniversary of the Sturgis Rally. 
Yeah. It was 40 years ago since I went to my first Sturgis Rail. Ah, okay. <clears throat> yeah. So, we... it's still a plan for another year. Um, I figured out about a week before Sturgis that uh, uh, one of my friends suggested I could have rented a motorcycle, and I something I hadn't thought of. Hmm. But... Uh, I checked it out, and I could have actually. I could have rented a, a motorcycle out of uh, Missoula, I think, and, and rode. So uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I know that's getting more more common. Um, we we were able to uh, work on uh, a bike for Indian that went to Sturgis. I don't know if you saw pictures on our feet of that. I saw. Them. Yeah, that that was really you know for for being a motorcycle lover, that was like a super cool thing to be able to get to do. And to take a brand new bike and abuse it like that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always fun when those kind of jobs come along. Yeah, it, you know, it really kind of gives you a boost creatively, too, because I, I think, you know, there's the normal everyday work. And, um, you know, you push yourself with that stuff to keep it interesting and keep it fresh. But it's those you know a couple jobs a year that come through like that that bike for indian that just is like you want to pull out all the stops you know and that that's i think creatively that's a a necessity at least for me to be able to have those occasional jobs where you just got to totally bring it you know yeah that's excellent yeah lots of fun too yeah, I like to keep pushing the, the limits in all my work, uh, so I will strive to do that in every area that I touch. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that's what um, I think that's what keeps most artists going is uh, the challenge they have with themselves. I was uh, talking to somebody the other day. You know, I, I don't. Uh, I don't. I've never viewed myself as a competitive person, and I, I never viewed. Uh, especially with art, other artists as I've got to, you know, beat them at something or, you know, get better at something than they are. But I do have that competitiveness with myself, which is really strange. You know, I, I, I'll look at something side by side of something I did a while back. And even if I was proud of it a while back, I'll be like, I, I need to do better, you know. Well, that is that is true uh, artistry. Um, and that's a change from the old days of sign painting where they didn't share anything, any information. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm so glad that changed, you know, because um, that mentality was still around when I was, you know, a teenager working with my dad. And it was such a turnoff, you know, because, you know, your your brain was hungry to learn anything you could. And some of the older guys, you know, were just jerks about it, you know. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned it before, but, you know, some of the older guys would brag uh, about telling people wrong information so that it would screw their jobs up and stuff, you know, just terrible. Yes. So, yeah, I know I had a, I had that experience when I was uh, trying to learn the business. Hmm. There was very little. And that's when the letterheads became such an important part of my growth as a, as a lettering artist. Okay. So speaking of letterheads, are you going to go out to Cincinnati for the big letterhead meet this year? Or are you going to not? That's not in the cards for me. Yeah. Um, there is a small meet at the end of the month in Saskatchewan. Okay. Uh, at Pat Welters. Um, but even that, I don't think I'm going to go to. I've had some other commitments that I uh, made prior to finding out about this. Okay. So for this year, I think everything's on hold unless there's something closer. We'll probably get together with uh, John and Chris and a few of the guys at the coast uh, probably this fall sometime after okay. he gets back from his big trip. Okay. Yeah, um, I was really contemplating going up to Cincinnati, um, you know, and maybe doing some podcast interviews there and getting to meet some people in person that I've never met in person, but have known for years through other things. But uh, it's just with the project that we've got coming up in Ireland, which has just turned out to be a really cool thing. Um, that just isn't going to work for us this year either, but so are you setting up a new uh, studio then back in Denton? Yeah, um, we, we will 
I'll, I'll be setting up the studio there, which will be the mainstay of all of the, the work that we do. Um, and then uh, the studio in Dallas will be a um, just kind of that satellite kind of thing where, you know, maybe once or twice a month I'll end up doing a project down there when it makes sense. Nice. But, yeah, business as usual will be in Denton. Um, we've actually uh, been offered the space that we first moved into in Denton originally, which was... Uh, in the basement underneath a coffee shop there called Jupiter House Coffee. Um, so we'll be back under there doing our thing. Yeah, and you had some original sign work painted, I think, on the floor, et cetera. Um, yeah, we painted all sorts of stuff in that building, um, and we painted tons of stuff upstairs in the coffee shop. Um, so, yeah, it'll kind of be like going back into our home environment. Um, and it's right on the, the, the town square there, um, which in the, in the south, especially in Texas, all the towns, um, for the most part, have this old town square that was the original hub. And uh, that's where the courthouse would be and all the little Main Street stores. Um, and all of that's gone through a revitalization over the last probably five years. So um, it's just a bunch of really cool little restaurants and bars and and coffee shops and uh record stores and bookstores it's a it's a really cool environment and we're we're looking forward to being back in the thick of that fantastic yeah Sounds yeah uh, uh, denton is also a um it's a college town it's got university of north texas and texas women's university there so there's a, a lot of uh, creativity and, and youthfulness and uh, there's a huge music scene there um, so it, it's a really neat environment so looking forward to that right on yeah well I'm glad uh, that you came on I, I you know like I said I know, I know we've crossed paths in the past and then Chris uh reintroduced me to your work um, a couple of years ago and uh, been wanting to corner you and talk to you about your history with the trade so I'm glad I was able to talk you into doing it I know you're a little apprehensive at first <laughs> well it's always kind of putting yourself out there and uh, of course we do that every day so it's more or less the same yeah man you go out and you paint something in somebody's window the public is watching man so. <laughs> exactly. And the only people listening to this are probably other, like, you know, dysfunctional sign painters and graphic artists and designers. So, you know, <laughs> you're among good company. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, it's kind of interesting, too, to be able to talk about people that have uh, helped me along the way. And uh, and that's always a pleasure because uh, there's, you know, a lot of unsung heroes. Nobody gets here alone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's it's nice to be able to go back and revisit those people. And I know, for me, uh, when I was looking, thinking back on this, the Letterheads uh, movement, um, and actually in the Mid-Coast, we called it Mid-Coast Letterheads, which was part of, uh, I guess, Nebraska, <clears throat> North and South Dakota, Saskatchewan. Okay. Kind of a, a bunch of us that got together, and we would have four Letterhead meets a year in that group. Hmm. And that really promoted huge education and hurry. Uh, guys at the, in the Black Hills, Grizz Moore and Tim Peterson, they put on the Gold Rush. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Head meets. And so I attended all of those except one. So uh, huge amount of learning in a group like that. Wow, that's awesome. And when, when was all of that? What, what period of time was that that you were doing that? That was in the late 90s. Okay. Yeah, went up to I think the last uh, <clears throat> the last one was two thousand and three, maybe two thousand and four was the last of the Gold Rush. Okay. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, I've seen some of the um, panels from that that people have um, in their portfolios. I haven't seen them in person, but um, looks like a a really cool thing you were able to participate in. Yeah, in the years I couldn't go uh, full-time. I remember one year I had uh, custody of my uh, son's 
for the weekend. So I actually went down early because uh, uh, the Black Hills was only 500 miles from me, so a day's drive. Uh-huh. And I went down early and got to clean the glass and silk screen the, the art pieces with uh, Tim and Grizz, and then actually took the piece home a week early and uh, before the meet started, finished it and sent it back with another fella, uh, Pat Welter, who was going back down for the meet. And so they had a finished piece of artwork already hanging. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, I got to do a couple of extra things like that. I tried DeMar Varnish uh, gold, uh, gold on Glass uh, one year, went down early again, a day early, uh-huh. and put the DeMar on and let it uh, set up for 24 hours and then tooled it and then did the water gilding. Right, okay. So what the, the work that you're doing now, um, are, are you getting to do some gold leaf on glass up that way or is it is it what type of work are you mostly uh, dabbling in? Well, it's, uh, you know, the you always talked about, the old guys always talked about having a specialty. Mm-hmm. But it seems like as we've gone around the circle now, the specialty is just being able to do anything with your hands. Yeah, no, that's totally true. And I think um, there there's a, a, enough of a shortage of us that you, you really do have to diversify. And, um, you know, I know myself, I've had to learn some of the... Uh, different approaches that uh i've kind of backburnered over the years because i was busy doing other stuff but you know people now in their mindset with that you're a sign painter is that you can you know do everything from pinstriping to lettering to gold leafing you know everything in between wood signs you name it you know yeah, and that's actually been part of the fun in some ways because um, mm-hmm. I've, I've had to diversify. Sure. So I've learned how to carve and uh, work with uh, some of the new products like high density urethanes. And so it keeps pushing the, the limits of what we do, and that's what keeps the job interesting is that it's not the same, well, not the same routine every day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I think that challenge is what's kept it interesting definitely yeah well cool well um again thanks for taking time out of your day and uh and doing this and allowing me to uh get to know about your past better appreciate it (laughs) well i uh i appreciate it i've been following your stuff for quite a while i think uh, john went down to your meet in big bear yep sure did yeah, that's where I heard about uh, you, I think, from there. And maybe a little bit on uh, the Letterville website. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that um, I, I joined that forum. Uh, I looked at my profile in 1999 um, and then kind of drifted in and out. Um, I, I, I think the guy, the guy that started was Steve Shortreed, who recently passed away, right? Correct. Yeah, um, you know that forum kind of was the starting point for some other forums, and I, just, just the nature of forums are strange to me because they start out with uh, so much energy and positivity, and um, people kind of reinforcing each other, and then that that peaks after like two years, and then it starts eroding from there, and it, it's just a weird formula that seems to apply to almost all forums never really understood it well the forum thing i think was pretty good because at the time when that started i didn't even own a computer okay so i would go to the public library and log on and check out what other people were doing right and of course now you know we've got that on our smartphones Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so you can do that anywhere and then uh, other things like Facebook came into play, and so now it's that and Instagram, and and there'll be other things I'm sure that'll develop in the future. Yeah, I'm sure where we can stay in touch. It's kind of interesting now because people that I've met from around the world who are in this business, uh, we get to see stuff by them, you know, daily, weekly, monthly. Yeah, uh, yeah. It it's um it's really strange, uh, and I'm sure you ran into this too because you got you know really active in around the same time that I did is um, you know back then there there was so little to draw from that 
it, you know, you were almost starved for it, you know? And I, I remember running a, into, you know, different old guys or whatever. And, you know, if you got to flip through their old grungy coffee stained photo album and look at some of the work they had done for the years that they've been doing it, it was like the biggest treasure on earth to just be able to see, you know, and to, to, to go from that to now where, you know, holy cow, just on Instagram alone, I'm just like overwhelmed at the the diversity and the quality of work that I can just sit there and scroll through, you know, it's just amazing. Yeah, that that sharing has become huge. Uh, like you said, we were starved for it. I traveled, you know, to the UK a couple times uh, to learn different techniques and see some of the gypsies scrolling on uh-huh, gypsies. Yeah. And then uh, to meet the lettering artists over there, uh, Dave Kiniston and John Leeson. Uh-huh fabulous you know be in john leeson's studio and see you know stuff that he's kicking around for garbage that i would right. hang all you know yeah. <laughs> fabulous yeah so those kind of acquaintances that we've met and friends who became friends later uh are fantastic it's hard to uh, even describe that because being an artist is kind of a lonely solitary pursuit for sure yeah, you know, we have our little runs with the public and stuff, but uh, primarily you're working alone. You're standing looking at a wall or an easel. Yeah. And uh, everything else is going on behind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Because even then you're alone because you're, you know, your back's turned to everyone and you're just zoned out and you're working. Um, you know, you probably got your headphones on listening to something. You know, it's, uh, yeah, very much a solitary pursuit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, which I think is, um, uh, I think that's part of the allure as well as the challenges. Is um, I love that. I love the uh, the quiet time and the reflecting and you know all all of it that goes with it. Um, I've I've tried in the past working environments where you know you you have other artists or whatever come in and they're sharing the studio with you and that kind of thing and it always sounds really cool and really like kind of romantic idea but the reality of it kind of sucked because you you know you got somebody who's wanting to talk to you at those times when you're just wanting to completely zone out and focus on something you know Yes. Well, you become you get in the what they call the zone, right? Because yeah. you're focused on what you're doing, you're going with the flow. And then somebody interrupts that. Yeah. Uh, I spent some time uh, with Tim Peterson on some billboards in South Dakota. And he said, God, I've never talked so much in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because usually we're alone. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and I, I think um, from talking to a lot of other uh, sign artists, um, music is, just seems to be such a huge integrated part of the process um and when you got somebody yakking you can't really get into the music you know yeah i've been following your podcast where you ask everybody what their favorite music has been oh yeah i'm going there i'm going there (laughs) so so (laughs) let's hear it what's uh what what keeps your creative juices going well, I got to mention this right off the bat, just to clear the air. Is Willie Will and the Lyle Lovett? Awesome, <laughs> kindred spirit. <laughs> um, and it was interesting uh, when I was uh, learning pinstriping, and I'm trying to learn how to pull a long straight line, mm-hmm. which is probably the pinnacle of, of pinstriping work. Uh, yeah, I, know, I, those, I, I still struggle. I so talented at doing it. Um, so. Th- Anyway, I was talking to Tim Peterson one day about it because, as you, as you know, you're striving for that perfection line. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, what kind of music do you listen to? And I said, well, I listen to rock and some country and a little bit of this and that. And he says, well, try some classical music. I said, you got to be kidding me. He says, no, I do it all the time. He listens to NPR. Hmm. So we have a station up here called the Canadian Broadcast Corporation, CBC. Okay. And... In the last number of years, they've had what they call Radio 2, which is another band, I guess. And they primarily play classical music for most of the day. And then they have some popular Canadian music uh, for three hours on the drive home at night. Okay. 
and uh, you know they have blue segments and so forth so anyway I started listening to that and it really expanded my horizons and helped with my striping <laughs> oh, that's very interesting I, I, um, I've got a whole collection uh, of opera in my iTunes and uh, sometimes that's when I do my best design work is I'll just blast opera and uh, design to that and sometimes that gives me really good results but I never tried the classical with the pinstriping that's pretty interesting I'll give that a shot <laughs> well, that's what it's all about, eh? Passing on for information. Heck yeah, yeah. I guess the old two, the old school guys that I like is uh, Van Morrison. Oh yeah, I've got uh, twenty six of his albums on my iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Now some of the new people: um, Elliot Brood and uh, Alabama Shakes. Don't don't. I've heard the name Alabama Shakes, but I've not heard the other name, and I'm not familiar with their music either of them. What what kind of music? Um, well, that's, I don't know what they call, I guess these guys are indie. Like hipster music? Indie music, yeah, so they're independent. Um, I don't know if they've signed big contracts or not yet. Okay. Elliot Brood is a three-piece, I think they're a Canadian band. Okay. And I don't know, I can't really put them into a category of style of music that that I can think of, but uh, it's quite enjoyable to listen to. Alabama Shakes ran on to them through uh, uh, public broadcasting, uh, PBS in the States, uh, sitting around at night uh, when I had a television that had cable, and uh, they were on one night as a guest on Austin City Limits. Oh, okay. Uh, so it was interesting to hear them. And then a couple people that came to, to my light in the last uh, three weeks um, was Leonard Cohen's son Alan Cohen? Oh, I didn't know he had a son making music. I didn't either. And the other one was Lucas Nelson, which is Willie's son. Familiar with him, and some of that's pretty cool. Yeah, they have the jam in the bus uh, sessions. Uh huh. Which is kind of interesting. They're playing in a van, and yeah, uh, Waylon Jennings' son Shooter has some interesting uh, stuff I've heard too. I haven't got too much of, of his stuff. Um, I love Hank Jr. Um, yeah. Hank the Hank the Third is not quite my style, but uh, Hank Jr. really. I, uh, I love the uh, the merging of like outlaw country and punk that Hank the Third has done, but some of it just um, yeah, just I'm not completely sold on. But I, I love the vibe, you know. I, I think it. It's fun and it's aggressive and it's kind of wild hillbilly kind of you know punk kind of a thing. But yeah, I, I, there's something about him that that doesn't connect for me. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, but you know, we've all got our opinions, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I guess the, one of the surprising things was uh, Eminem came out with a movie. Uh, something 49th i think it was or whatever if you lived on one side of the city or the other it was divided by this ah. and uh that gave me a new appreciation for hip-hop was seeing that music seeing that video that movie yeah you know it, it that's a whole genre that i've like um i've got respect for but just never really connected with either you know it's like um you know, you can see the artistry there, and you can see the the honesty and, and you know the integrity of uh, the lyrics and, and and a lot of it. But it's just not something I, you know, want to turn on and paint to. I understand that perfectly. Yeah. Maybe it's just because we're white guys. I don't know. <laughs> but cool. Well. Um, I'm going to call it a wrap, and we'll we'll uh, have to dice this down and and uh, do all that editing fun stuff. But uh, well, I was trying to beat your record of an hour and a quarter or whatever. It oh is. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who, I, I don't remember who I talked that long to. I, was that Bob Dewhurst? Maybe uh, I haven't heard that one. I think it was Gibbs. Oh, Gibbs Connors, yeah, maybe so. The, the, you should listen to the one with Bob Dewhurst. That's like my favorite one because uh, he's such a um, that that dude's a character, and he's he's 
You know, he, he's one of those people that because of his um, demeanor, like he comes across kind of like that spacey kind of hippie guy. But if you get past that and listen to what he's saying, it's incredibly deep and insightful. It's a really amazing. He's a really, really neat guy. Yeah, I kind of figured that about him. Yeah, yeah, really interesting guy. His, his uh, studio was just around the corner of ours in San Francisco and... Um, you know, when we started, uh, you know, meeting up and talking and everything, I was just, it, it was a really neat thing for me because he was, um, you know, he's a really interesting, articulate, intellectual guy, um, but he's also got that kind of goofy San Francisco hippie thing going on, and it was just a lot of fun. Uh, we still talk on a regular basis. It was a, a nice friendship to have started. Nice. Well, thank you for the invite. I appreciate it and uh, got me out of my shell one more time. Hey, that's all good stuff. So if you're um, if you're 400 miles inland from the coast in Canada, seek out Kale Trotter. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, buddy. There, you got a commercial for the <laughs> for the for the droves in that area that are listening. Exactly. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care, bud. All right. Bye. Coffee with a Sign Painter is brought to you by the Big D Speed Shop in Dallas, Texas. You can find licensed apparel of Sean Starr's original designs at BigDSpeedShop.com. The show is also brought to you by Full City Rooster Coffee Roasters, makers of the Sign Painters Blend. Coffee that Sean drinks in the studio every day. Now shipping worldwide. FullCityRooster.com Coffee with a Sign Painter, hosted by Sean Starr. You can find all sorts of info about the show and sign painting, including previous episodes, at our website, seanstar.com. 